Well, hey, Donya, how are you? I'm good, Lunez. How are you? Good. Well, hey, listen, I am super excited to have you on the show today. Um, first off, the This is 50, Freedom Through Passions, is where I interview women who are in their 50s, who are killing it, or who are starting their side hustle and figuring it all out. I know you're not quite 50. You're a few, few lovely years away from it. But I wanted to have you on the show because you and I have worked together in the past. You are the founder and CEO of Hervolution, which is a non-for-profit for helping underserved youth girls to get into the field of STEM. I yes. want you to go through a little bit of that. But we met because I think a mutual friend, you were looking for some strategy work. And I think yeah. I came in and I facilitated Basically, uh, your Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I facilitated your board through a strategy session for the, for the sort of year planning. And I just thought, mm. wow, what a, an amazing woman you are. Mm-hmm. You have such a great story and it's important to share it. I also wanted to bring you on because... Non-for-profits tend to be something that when we get into our 50s, 60s, 70s, we want to start, you know, fulfilling a little bit more for purpose. And we start to look towards, sometimes look towards a non-for-profit for doing that. So I want you to share a little bit of insight on what it's like to be part of a non-for-profit for you, particularly starting one. But you are absolutely amazing. You've been at it for 10 years. I'm going to hand the floor over to you. Tell us about Doña and tell us about her evolution. Well, thank you so much, Annette. And let me start by saying how amazing. I think that what you do, it's also great because we hear a lot of this, you know, 30 under 30, you know, even like 35. I usually, as a woman, once you hit 30, it's kind of basically almost over, it feels like it. And for you to start what you're doing for women 50 and up, it's amazing because, yeah, we need support all through our lives, right? So this is great what you do. So, yes, thank you. Thank you for that. Because when I'm going to get 50, you know. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you. Uh, But anyways, with that, say, so um, let me share my story a little bit so I can start with that because I I think that actually goes into how and why revolution exists. I came to Canada from Romania when I was 19 and I came here with barely any English. Uh, I, I'm still learning English 28 years later. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm still like, what does that mean? But uh, with all of that, I mean, when I come into Canada, I came from a, a better life, right? As an immigrant, we come here for a better life. And I've had some barriers, you know. I didn't speak the language. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have a network. Um, I was on the streets. I literally, you know, I was homeless. 10 months after I came to Canada, I had to sleep on somebody's floor. Um, They tried to figure out, like, even education and what do I do in this country? So to navigate my way and to figure out what I want to do, it was a bit hard. So I had a bit of setbacks because of that reason. But still, I managed to learn. I feel like all of those barriers... The setbacks made me stronger. <laughs> and and all of that is true when they say that everything happens for a reason, right? So all of the stuff that I had to figure out, it helped me understand how life works. And now, you know, with her evolution. But so, yeah, I started actually, I worked as a hairdresser for eight years. <laughs> kind of kind of hard to believe, but yes, I was a hairdresser. Oh, I, God, it looks great. <laughs> I was a hairdresser. I... 
uh, I love the profession because it allowed me to meet people and talk to people and conversate and learn about cultures or about people and life in general. And then I, I knew that when I was a kid, you know, I've, I've always wanted to be a teacher or lawyer. So working hairdressing job was just to pay the bills. And eventually I said, let me just get into that, you know, work with children. You know, I love the law and I really wanted to understand things about with pertaining to women's rights because I grew up in a country where, you know, women were second class citizens. Violence against women was the norm. Uh, you know, so I mean, this is why I came to Canada to so escape all of that. So I've had that, you know, love for law in that area because I wanted to make the world a better place by offering opportunities to women. So I started with going into learning about childcare. So I, you know, I went to this, um, I took this course in an adult learning center and I worked with kids in, in uh, kindergarten. And I noticed a couple of things there that really bothered me. One would be that, um, the kids that were raised by a nanny, <laughs> which we did with so much more, they're given so much more attention versus the kids that were raised by a single mom with three jobs and they were in subsidy. You know, behavior issues, you know, were treated like the kids that were acting up in a certain way, depends on where you come from, you're treated differently. So I didn't like that. I just thought, yeah, I like working with kids, but I don't like the system, you know? And so I went and looked around to figure out how do I go to school, like to, you know, to, to do something about women's, women's rights. And of course, going to law school at that time on actually when this happened, I was a single mom of one daughter. And then honestly, it took me a long time to figure out like, how do I get a post-secondary education? Because I thought you're supposed to pay from pocket. For, for this. I did not know that the student loan exists in Canada <laughs> until 13 years after I came here. I was actually on, yeah, I was actually on welfare because I said, I can't do this thing anymore with, you know, I, with the kids and stuff. I want to figure stuff out. And so I went on welfare. Um, I was, I had my daughter. She was like, uh, two years old. And so I was, you know, trying to, to raise her basically on my own. And when I went to welfare, uh, I felt like I wasn't treated, like they were not giving me the information I needed, you know? It's like they were not helping me to go beyond welfare. It felt like they were wanting me to be stuck there. And I was just showing up just to show up, just because if I wouldn't show up, I wouldn't get the check, for example. And then um, my social worker wasn't um, there one time, and it was the social worker on call. And I was just having this answer, like, I'm, I'm done here with, I'm done here with this. I'm just here because, but I need to figure shit out. I hope I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. I need to figure shit out. And this is not it. And so the worker was like, you look like you don't want to be here. I'm like, you're right. I don't. I just want to, I want to go to school. I want to get an education. I want to do something with my life. And I've already had the list of, of schools I want to go to. I've had a list of the things that I want to do, the courses that I want to take. I've even done my research. I called <clears throat> potentials organization that I would ideally like to work for and figure out like what is it that they were looking for in terms of education so I've done my research I was ready to go and when I told him that and he's like you can apply for OSAP 
what is OSAP? And then he told me about it. And then he, you know, he brought all the resources, gave it to me, and that's how I went to school. And I studied the the social work with the feminist back, background. It's uh, the program is actually called the Assaulted Women's and Children's Council Advocacy Program at George Brown uh, College in Ontario, Canada. People that don't know, it's uh, so I studied the social work with the feminist background. I I learned so much around women's rights on the global level and poverty and how women are affected by all of this. So. Um, when I finished with that, I thought, you know, I worked in other nonprofits. I work with youth at risk. And I work with youth that just came from um, a legal system. You know, they were, instead of going to be charged with the crime, they were sending into these programs, uh, mandatory, so they can have to take on to, to be, I would say, forgiven but or not have a record and then i worked with them and then i saw so many things you know that the the system again it was felt like it was designed i feel like i was in their shoes i remember how it was for me you know being in 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 the system and not being supported with what i needed versus people were just i mean the program were just giving them stuff just because they wanted to look great or we have the numbers and so i didn't like that and then I also work with refugee women and I help them, you know, to integrate in Canada and give them resources and support them. And I saw, I'm like, oh my God, like this is, it was so heartbreaking. And I work with younger kids again. I work with seniors and it was, again, I'm like, why, why did I get into this? But I feel like, again, I, like I said earlier, I think it was all because everything happens for a reason. I needed to be in these people's shoes you know, and to understand what it's like to be someone to to benefit from benefit from the services and someone that offers the services, like service provider and service um, service receiver. You know, and I my contract finished, and then I was an early adopter of social media. I was one of the first 100 people who have a LinkedIn account, so I'm very curious person. You know, I don't because I think I've I've been prevented from entering so many different um, so-called opportunities. I've, I've, I'm so used to figure it out on my own. Like go out there and do my research, and especially now that we have Google. Go on Google, do your research, see what's out there, register for this course. Is that, you know, what information is out there? So I've learned so much about social media. I've learned about Twitter. I learned about Facebook pages and stuff. So I created my own digital media company. And I've had uh, some nonprofits hire me to help their staff and their, their, their clients to learn more about social media and how to be safe online and how to create a LinkedIn account to help with job search. And I'll have other professionals help me set up their LinkedIn accounts for job search. And then I had some people that wanted me to help them with more, to help them with build websites. And I was like, I don't even know how to do this. But I built a, I learned a little bit of HTML and CSS again on my own online, do my research and try to figure out, try to connect with people that I, I guess they could help me out and, and things like that. Partner with some people that could do this job. I say, I could be the middle person and you know, I just pass them on to you. And so I, I also, part of the learning for me was going to conferences, you know, to learn, you know, from you are there with network with people, but also learn, you know, whatever I need to learn from these conferences. And there was one, well, let me go back a little bit. I've had this idea in my head because I started learning a little bit more about the, we don't have enough women in STEM. 
uh, you know, and the job market, the industry will be, you know, we need people that have the skills. So we, you know, we're going to, there could be a shortage. And I'm like, I was on welfare. I depend on food bank. Uh, you know, I couldn't, I don't know if I could pay my rent. I was a new immigrant. I was someone new to Canada. And nobody said, Hey, look, there's this opportunity. Instead, I was kept into this, like into a, a, a box. So just kind of be there to be the statistics that I wasn't, I didn't want to be part of. So I had this idea in my head about, you know, revolution existed in my head about a year and a half before I even spoke it up because I thought, who am I to do this? I don't, I'm not in STEM. You know, I don't know. I just taught myself how to code uh, the super basic HTML and CSS. Um, I don't know this field, but I know that they were, you know, I was a youth at risk, you know, and there are youth at risk and there are new immigrants and there are people that come to this country for a better life and they want their children at least to have a better life. But there's no, there's no match between like what's actually needed to what's actually offered, you know? And so I thought something like this should exist uh, for people that were like me or are like me, uh, you know, new immigrants, women, uh, low income, uh, you have marginalized, so, but it doesn't. So, but, you know, who am I to do this? You know, I'm just yeah. that studies social work and I, you know, I don't know anything about STEM. And I went to a conference and there were uh, four middle-aged white men. It was, uh, they, they, they were experts on women in STEM. Okay, the panel was about women in STEM, and they're talking about if women, if women wants to go in STEM, nobody's really stopping them. I don't understand what the big deal is. Like, you know, we've been, you know, we've been, you know, we, we were in STEM. Like, you know, my daughter's in STEM, so why can why can all women go in STEM? I'm like, oh my god. So then we talk about this privilege and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, oh, I was so furious actually, and I went into my mentor's office. I left the conference right away. I went to my mentor's office, and I had this bag and I just threw it on the couch and I was like you know what I am done with this like I need I need for this to happen and he goes what's stopping you and I said well I'm not in STEM I don't know like I'm not in STEM so you know somebody in STEM should be doing this and then he's like well you kind of are because just because you didn't go to school to study this you are you're running a, a, a digital marketing company and I was like I am I actually am. So, you know, and then he goes, you should do this because if anyone is to understand why this needs to happen, it would be you because you come with that, you know, you understand technology, even if it's the basic, but you still understand it more than others do. But you also understand what it's like to be low income, what it's like to be a woman, what it's like to be marginalized. So maybe you should study. It's it's yours. And I felt like at that point it was like a, a permission slip, you know, I formed yeah. the board and then I started the organization and the rest. Of okay. Before you go any further, I'm yes. going to like, okay, let's back up. So, yes. okay. So you came to Canada, how long ago? In 1994. It was 1994. Yeah. 
Okay. And so you, you came, you were, you know, broke, single, were you a single mom at the time? Or no, were I, you... I was 19 years old when I came to Canada. So I was okay. a youth at risk. <laughs> youth at risk. Okay. Already, yeah. From Romania. Yeah. You came, you came here, you have no job, you have nothing. And you are now basically living on food stamps, so to speak, and yeah. looking, you're on social services, you're in the system and you're really trying to make it work. And what you're realizing is like, there's, nobody's really presenting you anything kind of options like here, take yes. this track, take that track. Instead, it's just like, here's your check. And you were just sort of showing up every time yes. getting your check and you're thinking, okay, this is, I, I can do more. Yes. So you, you got into a couple of different fields. You got into hairdressing. You went and you finally ended up going to school and you then said, okay, so I'm taking social work. Uh, did you finish your social work degree? Yes. Okay, perfect. And so you got into social work, you're, you're working with various different um, groups and, and, and people. And then you, you kind of left that and went into a sort of, like you said, a digital marketing company, yeah. where you started to do some social media uh, for, for companies starting to build out some websites. But you always had this desire for STEM. So tell us what, first of all, science, technology, engineering, and math. Yes. So that is STEM for yes. everybody that's listening. Yes. Um, right. Okay. I'm actually so, saying always... that because I was I went to a, a an event when when Revolution just started, and I'm talking in front of people, and I'm so nervous because again I'm like, who am I to talk to these people? Because they are all in STEM already. So yeah. I put 20 minutes, and my voice is shaking. And I said, like, oh, I wasn't as confident as I am now because those were like early stages. And I said, any questions at the end of my my talk? And somebody put their hand up, says, yes, what is STEM? And I said, oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> so yes, thank you for clarifying that. Okay, so perfect. So and and as somebody who's come from, for you, you came from Romania. You mm -hmm. felt you you know underserved. Uh, coming to, to Canada and that's you you've had this sort of purpose inside of mm -hmm. you that you know you want to be able to help people when they come um, Im immigrate to Canada or to anywhere for that matter from their their original location and and really sort of be able to provide an opportunity for them so you've you've narrowed in on uh, building a dream out for 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 girls between the ages of 11 it's and high school. So girls in high school, high school. girls are non-conforming youth. So they're in high school and if they have to be low income, um, mm -hmm. whether they could be immigrants, it could be BIPOC, they could be um, LGBTQ, indigenous. So right. it's, uh, the, but the main important thing, they shouldn't be able to afford, they cannot afford any right. of this programming otherwise. So that's what the organization actually for. This was my passion because I wanted people that okay. cannot afford something like this or people that do not have the resources to get into this. This is the organization for them. Perfect. Yeah. So you you decide, okay, I'm going to go all in yes. on starting Hervolution. Yeah. And so that was approximately 10 years ago when yes. that all came about. Yes. And so now. And I was low income then too. I had to borrow money to actually, uh, I had to borrow money to register the organization. And my mom gave me $80. Thank you, mom. <laughs> she gave me $80 <laughs> to actually, because I didn't have the rest. Uh, I was still. So even 10 years ago, that's a, that like 10 years ago, 
though. I mean, girls in, in science, yes. technology, engineering, math, like that is like, uh, uh-uh. and especially like, I remember you talking to me, um, about girls when they hit their teenage years and high school years, you know, they kind of get to that stage where, you know, they're super smart, but yet they may want to not come across yes. like that because of their, they're sitting there, you know, they're dating or they're interested in boys mm-hmm. and makeup and a whole different sort of, you know, psychological aspect of things really starts to take place. So, mm-hmm. so you start her evolution 10 years ago from a, a loan with your mom for $80 and you get started. So yes. what's, what's your next step? You, you, you formed a board right away or did you just yes. start to like, how did you get started? Um, honestly, I felt, I felt like immediately this was my calling. I knew that I needed to do this. Um, I don't know. It's like, you hear people talk about this and some people, if they've never experienced it, oh, how cliche, you know, but it's like, I knew then that I can only go forward and get this done and nothing could stop me. The fact that I didn't have enough money to register the organization, that didn't stop me. I said, I'll figure it out. Um, the fact that I didn't know anything about STEM, I said, I'm just going to figure it out. Um, then my the first thing I did, I needed to form a board because legally you have to have a board. So I formed the board and then I just, I went out and I said, I'm doing this. I actually started using social media <laughs> to say, I want to do this. This is what I'm doing. And, you know. But how did you come up with the program material? If you didn't know STEM, yeah. how did you know what I material? Because like, talk a little bit first about, about Hervolution. Mm-hmm. So you offer specific programming for mm-hmm these girls to come in and actually learn how to code they're they're yeah. brought in uh into you know a couple of different programs that you offer throughout the year yeah you've got mentors who, who have been previous uh people that have gone through the program yeah. but how did you know what kind of curriculum yeah. to even build at first actually uh, there was a i had a lot of volunteers <laughs> people just jumped in companies at first, they wouldn't because I'm new. I'm out of I'm just coming out of like out of nowhere, and they're like, "Who are you? You're not really, you know." So, the, some of those and you don't have a degree in no. any of this, and so you're like, "Okay, yeah, right, exactly." Well, had, so you had no, an uphill. Some battle. of the things that came to me in the beginning was like there was a couple. One is like, "Where did you work? What company in tech?" There was expecting <laughs> to work, and I'm like, "Uh, nowhere." So it was a bit intimidating. I have to admit, it was a bit intimidating, but it. But then I was, I started to educate myself around it. And it was one incident that I had. And for me, that was like, oh, I need to do this. One, I went to, um, I needed funding because I realized that I needed funding to even come up with ideas for the programs and to get things started. As a startup, you were in the DNR uh, stage, like the, the, you do your research and, you know, to, to discover, to develop things, to, you know, market research and everything. So you, everyone starts there. So that was there too. And then I was talking to a couple of people and to figure out, you know, what should I be doing? And it's like, you should have some funding because at least if you got, you are not getting any money, how are you going to support yourself, right? So I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. So I said, cool. So I'm going to this event where I found that there was an uh, investor that was sitting on this panel. And I paid $40 for that event. And imagine, like, I had to borrow $80 for my, daughter, for my mom to, yeah. well, she actually gave yeah. it to me, so that was her contribution to yeah. organization. But then the $40 was, like, a lot of money for me at that time. So I went to this event, and I waited in line up to talk to this guy because he said he invests in nonprofits. So I said, great. And I went, and I went, and 
the panel was interesting. It was, you know, I feel like I learned a couple of things, but I went there to meet this guy and I went in lineup for like, I think more than half an hour. And finally I get to talk to him. And I said, I, I created this organization to support girls in STEM. He's like, oh yes, we need more of this. It's exciting. And then I went to say, we are supporting girls from low income. And then immediately he saw like, oh no, no, no. He goes, that's a bad idea. You're never gonna make. You're never. You're never gonna make it. Um, and I don't invest in poor people. Uh, oh no! And I was like, but that's what nonprofits are. You support yeah. the underserved. You support people that don't have money. You support. This is what a nonprofit is supposed to be. It's not just about making a profit. This, that's not what it's about. And so he's like, yeah. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't invest in poor people. I was so hurt, and I thought, this is it. I'm not gonna make it. This was a bad idea. <laughs> you know, I had tears in my eyes. I put my jacket on and I walked out to get the streetcar to go home. And this was a king in Spadina. For people that are from Toronto, they know what that is. Like downtown. Yeah. I had to take a streetcar to get the subway, to take like two subways to get home. And so I'm sitting there in the streetcar and I had like literally did not see anybody around me. And I had tears on my face and I said, wow, like what have, what have I done, you know? And maybe, you know, he's right. But then I was like, but hold on a second. That little fire in me, you know, when I said, like, I feel like I needed to do this. This was my purpose. That purpose started to, you know, that little fire started to go bigger and bigger and bigger. And I thought, you know what? This shows me that I can be selective who I get to work with. And I need to meet people and to be around people who see what I see. And those are the people that I want to associate myself with. And that's when he started to, I started to put the word out there to say, you know what, this is what I'm doing and I need help, you know? Mm -hmm. And I had actually early stages, I had this company um, called Enable Education. They, this woman, she jumped, I actually met her at a, another conference and then she goes, yeah, we build curriculums for big companies that have lots of money, but I'd love to help you out like to volunteer, like really donate my time. And, you know, she donated so many resources, you know, she says, I believe in what you're doing. She was a former uh, teacher and she goes, I believe in what you, I think this needs to exist. And they supported me. I had people that just said, Hey, I know someone that has space. You know, I know someone that has space. Perfect. We can donate that to you. Oh, I know someone. Okay. Um, so I'm going to just, I'm going to just yeah. summarize a little bit here because your story is great. I just want to keep, keep everybody following yes. along. Yes. With us. So, so we get her evolution started with an $80 loan from your mom or for a gift from your yes. mother. Thank you, mom. And you, you set out and you realize, okay, so I'm going to really have to draw on a yes. community here to, to help me. So you go out, you get rejected a couple of times, but then you realize I still have this burning desire. Yes. And, and I, and I love that part of you where you, you, you went inside and you said to yourself, is this still my purpose? Mm -hmm. And it is. So just because things aren't coming easy doesn't mean yeah. I I really have a reason to to hang up and and go back to a full time job because right. sometimes people can think that yes. when we hit up, up up against walls and rejection, we give up and you haven't and so so you go out and you realize how important community is and to yes. get the message out yes. that you need help. So you start to draw on a community. This community starts to show up. The universe starts to deliver yes. what you ask for. And you're asking for this help. You've got a few people who can say, oh, I can do a curriculum for you. I can do this. I can do that. And then you now have some people on your board and you've got Hervolution started. Yes. How did you start recruiting people 
into the program? Oh, um, well, coming from the nonprofit sector, I knew some people in, in that in that area, and I just reached out. I reached out to organizations. I said, this is what I like to do, and is there any way that you can send some of your students? Can you share this with, with you know? But the early stages, actually, we've had, I was in the mall, the Yorkdale Mall, in the Microsoft store, and literally go in the mall and said, hey, there were parents that had children. I said, I know you want to go shopping. Can just leave your daughter here. She can learn something, you know. Um, just started, honestly, in the beginning, I just saw maybe two or three people just show up and that's it. Uh, it wasn't. So you're, so you're, so you you started with a couple of, a couple of girls yeah. that went through your program. You started yeah. to test the program yes. the, the, and what they needed and getting yes. their feedback. Okay. That's amazing. That, How yeah. many people now you fast forwarding? 10 years. Yes. How many people have gone through your programs now? Well, I believe in the slow race win the pace. I know, slow pace yes. win the race, sorry. Race, yeah, yes. Yeah. So That's perfect. And I agree too. Yes, I'm not into because I know there's um there are organizations out there that started after revolution and now they say, Oh, we have like so many, you know, people every year. And I'm like, no, we have this like I I like the smaller numbers, but overall we actually serve over four thousand maybe almost 5,000 people in the GTA, you know, and those are direct and indirect programming. So direct programming is the programs that we actually offer, which the numbers are not as high because we have maybe 20 students. And now we actually this year increase it to 80 students in one program alone, which I'm very excited right. about. But So when you say 20 students, it's you only allow 20 per year. It's not like you've only had 20 students. Yes. yes. So the actual programming. Yeah. And yes, right, actual okay. programming would be 20 students. So just because... Which is usually, sorry to interrupt, so it's, it's usually in the summertime that the that, summertime. that happens. It's a two-month program, yeah. right? So it's just to make sure that they get the, uh, enough attention because the programs is not just about learning about STEM, but creating an environment that's safe enough for them to learn. It's not just, you know, right. oh, here, I don't have time for you because there's too many of you, you know, so we just want, I want to make sure that they get enough attention for them to feel safe and to feel enough, good enough for them to say, yes, I want to continue this. This, I, I learned so much here that I want to continue. So that's super important. But, you know, we also have the indirect programming, which I get to partner with other organizations. We get to run stuff together. We, we did a lot of that before the pandemic, but now we just do it like I do it on our own, our own programming more than anything. We do some other partnering too, but it's far less because of, you know, everything is virtual and it's harder and it's not, you know, not so many conferences are happening these days. So, but we have done some of that too. So, yeah. And you've, you've partnered with companies like Spotify. Is that Shopify? Is that, no, Shopify. Shopify. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Shopify. Yes. And they've been a, They've been a real supporter of your program. Yeah, well, I started well. actually the first. Well, actually, so after the incident happened with that man, when he said, "Oh, you, I don't invest in poor people," shortly after, I had Salesforce. So Salesforce actually reached out and they're like, "We like to partner with you." And I'm like, "Oh my god! Like, are they mistaken? You know, they probably got the wrong <laughs> organization. Like, I'm just new here." But say, "No, we want to do some stuff together." And we actually ended up partnering with them for. Uh, seven years continuously so that's actually pretty amazing. amazing and so yeah we work with them and and then we have shopify and then we have gm canada so we have some brand names that are actually partnering with us and it's all because after the incident with them and i decided i need to do the work 
for people to see that what I'm doing, it's actually worthwhile of investment. It's not, I'm not doing this just because I want to show up and I'm not doing this because it's like, this really is with a purpose and the purpose is to make impact, right? And impact is done if you actually, and for profits, you know, a company, a startup is probably thinking the same thing when they think about, I need to invest in my customer. So the customer is happy enough so they can come back and they can tell others that's my focus. I want to invest in our students so they can feel comfortable enough to learn and they can continue. They go to post-secondary, they win awards, you know, they go and they enter, um, they got accepted in, in Harvard or Chicago Institute of Technology. You know, they go across the border, which is like amazing. And that's the great impact that it's made. Right. So that matters. And I think you're right. Like it, it's more than just learn how to learn, learning to code. Yeah. Like there's there, you know, there's lots of programs out there that, you know, girls that code, all those yes. different types of things. What your program really does is it attaches this sort of mentorship and community yes. within the, the program mm -hmm. itself. And that's where I think it's super awesome because these young girls get to, you know, have like the big sister that's attached yes. to them as well, which is, which is absolutely wonderful. And they get to okay, partner so with these companies because I want them to see what they could become. You know, so we get Absolutely. a lot of people from the companies that we partner with. I don't even call them sponsor. We call them partners because this is what, you know, Absolutely. it's like they come in and they get to, you know, teach the girls something or they get to coach them into something when they become mentors and they get to learn that someday they could be this, you know, this young women that they get to meet from these companies. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So that's her evolution yes. and the, the greatness that you've, produced really over the past mm -hmm. 10 years associated that is the brand of Doña, who you know i know you've been nominated and have been the recipient of many awards yeah. why don't you just like list us oh. maybe just a couple of awards because these, these are really the fruits of your efforts right, right? so i yeah go ahead okay well, rattle off a few of them. what's what's really amazing i actually won the N ncwit award so it's basically aspiring computing, the educator award for the aspiring computing um, because of my investment in young women in computer science, which is like, what? That's amazing. Um, I also won uh, Dancing Damsels. They, they gave me the award for providing a, a I think it's a safer um, or a, providing opportunities in the COVID-19 world to women. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been nominated. Um, the organization actually uh, got an award because of me. <laughs> because, okay. I guess because of me, because I started this. So I, it's okay to say this. Yeah. So the organization became an award-winning organization. Um, but um, I've also been um, nominated. I've been called, I'm named the trailbla trailblazer by women in, in um, women in, um, Oh my God, the name just kind of over my head. Oh, did it? Hold on. Trailblazing Award, okay. Trailblazer from in STEM because I create opportunities for young women that don't have opportunities in STEM. So I guess the Trailblaze, that's where it comes from. Barbie nominated me. The um, uh, um, and uh, I am the, I would say, the mentor for the future generation for them to be, you know, to choose the career that they want to choose. So I was actually in Toys R Us across Canada. So I saw that. Was wow, that's amazing. Barbie did this? Barbie did this, yes. I was like, okay, this is awesome. That's great. And I know that you just got 
is it either nominated or or got the award for uh, top 100? Winners? That was my that was on my bucket list. That was on my vision board. I want to win this award, and someone nominated me. And when they told me I want, I was just like. Oh, I was in tears. You know that ugly cry that gives you a headache? That was me. Yeah. yeah so So that that's the hundred top women with the WXM. Yeah. So this women, women Executive women's Network. Network. Women Executive Network mm-hmm. is Canada's top one hundred most powerful women. So I'm consider right. that. So all of the, the, the blood, sweat, and tears, literally, that you've put in through the past 10 years is really starting to pay off. And, and I think that you can really, you know, absolutely, congratulations. You are Thank you. amazing. So tell us, though, the, what is the, the ugly truth about a nonprofit? I mean, I, I saw a bit of it when I was helping mm-hmm. you with your, uh, with your board in terms of, because, like, really, like, you're dealing with volunteers here, yes. right? And so when I'm thinking about potentially either starting a non-for-profit or even going to volunteer in a non-for-profit, what are some of the things that I need to kind of be aware of? Well, first and foremost, there's never 100% funding. <laughs> That's one thing. This is the reason why you have to deal with a lot of volunteers. So because it's hard to pay people. Um, so that's one. But then sometimes, honestly, it's just be very aware who you allow to come in because sometimes people come in for the wrong reasons. You know, when you create something and becomes a brand, people want to be a part of it, but not everybody wants to do the work. <laughs> they just think, oh, do you have a great looking website and everything looks amazing and I've heard so many great things of what you've done. I want to be a part of this. And then when they see the amount of work that needs to be put in, they're like, oh, I didn't really expect that. So that could be a, a downsize, you know, because it holds you back as an organization. You're trying to push the mission forward and then you have people that are not doing what they're supposed to. And what do you do? Because they're volunteers. So it's kind of hard to That's hold right. people responsible sometimes because you're not providing them a paycheck, right? So so you just make sure that you bring people that actually really care about the cause that you want to push forward. They are aligned with your mission. They align with your purpose. And that's super important, right? Um, and yeah. So, so when you have people on your board, you have, there's, there's, there's different types of boards as well. There's a working board. There's an advisory board. How, how have you structured Hervolution? Well, because there was no funding. Well, the way that it actually is supposed to be structured, when you don't have staff, right, when you don't have staff, you should have at least three or four people on your payroll before you can become a governance board because what do you govern if you don't have staff, right? And right. that's why, and even when you start, let's say you want to start a nonprofit, you don't come in and say, I have, unless you have a lot of funding already and you can put from your pocket and then it's easier to just say to form a board that is governance and then you can hire people and then you just, kind of, you don't have to, struggle so-called to get your funding but when you start off and you don't have all the resources you need to bring people to actually put in some of the work so this is why it's called the working board so and mm-hmm. in the beginning i was actually advised by someone who says you cannot have a, a governance board because nobody will want to support you you know they want to see that people that are on your board they have some skin in the game and they put in some of the work so that the other, you know, the companies or if you apply for grants, they are going to support you as well. So 
put some skin in the game before they give you the support too. And the board okay. should, they should be, even when you are a governance board, they still should put in. So some of them, they might not work, you know, on your board, but they have to give you advice and they have to do fundraising. And, you know, they are responsible for the organization just as much as you that started it. So they should uh, be contributing to the organization at all level. doesn't matter what form of the board you have. That's right. Okay, cool. And so when I, so I think, okay, so I'm going to go out, I'm going to start my non-for-profit or I'm going to start volunteering. Just understand that it it is a large part of depending on volunteers and you've got to make sure that you've got the right mindset as well, because, um, you know, I, I do know that a lot of people like to just say I'm on the board or put it on their resume or their LinkedIn profile. I'm on the board member of, but really what you're looking for is people who will actually help. And that's the expectation too. What else, what else when considering the non-for-profit area? Well, if you want to start a nonprofit and you want to have volunteers, well, you probably will have volunteers. Make sure that you, because as much as there's some bad people out there that just want to take there's some people are amazing and they are willing to give. So be okay to provide them with something. Return. That can be, doesn't have to be money, but mentorship. You know, I mentor a lot of our volunteers. Um, and one thing that I like to do, and I think everybody should do is include, like with, in our case, we have students. I call them students. They come in our programs. When they're done in the program, I invite them to come part of the committee to help me plan the program so they can give me insights into how I can make the program better. You know, who can give you better research than your market, right? So I invite the, you know, so the student, they're still in high school and they come in the program in the committee and we meet them, we meet with them once a month and I give them guidance and they get to create and, but not only it gives me something because I don't want to be selfish, but also it gives them a portfolio where they say, I have done this while I was in high school and yeah. supporting me, it supports them to get a job after, right? So yeah. the organization, and I think everyone should create nonprofits this way. You're not just supporting the participants or the so-called client, but the volunteer that come in and they're doing great work, they should be supported as well. So I like to support my volunteers with sometimes I give them mentorship. You be ready to be a, a reference for them, yeah. you know, because they, if they're willing to do so much for you, you should do something for them too. Like it's, it yeah, has to be really super good. important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that way of thinking too, because even if you're just looking to volunteer, yeah. It's sort of, you you look at it from like, well, you know, I'm going to give to this. I mean, a lot of it is probably just fulfilling your purpose, but there's also this opportunity where, you know, it's, it's not really give and take, but it's like, what are you going to get out of it? And if it makes you feel like you're fulfilling your purpose as well. So they like, for for me, what I feel like they giving something, but I want them to take something. I believe in the, in karma thing. So it's like, if yeah. people give me something, I want to give them something too in return. It might not be, it, it should be something that they need. You know what I mean? As in like a reference or, mm-hmm. you know, build a portfolio. I actually encourage everyone that comes in to be part of committees or things to say, put your name on this and you can take it as your portfolio. Use that for your job interview. Use that to put it on your portfolio, whatever you do with it to help you to the next, for the next step. So, it's super important, right? Yeah. 
So how do you keep yourself going? Uh, I mean, I know there's been some times where you thought to yourself, oh my God, I'm going to give up yeah. and just like, go get a full-time job, Lynette, because <laughs> leading a non-for-profit isn't the most profitable oh. for your bank account either. <laughs> so how, how do you keep yourself going? It's the success that I see in, in the participants. See them, like, I mean, when I get a message from them and say, I got the scholarship, I got accepted, you know, at this prestige, like I got accepted in the program that I wanted to, at the university that I wanted to go to. And it's because of you this happened. Uh, when I see young women start their own initiatives, you know, they, and when, when they come back and say, if there's anything I can do, let me know, because I want to support this program. I don't want this program to stop. When I get a letter for, you know, like, oh, thank you so much. You're like, ah, you know, it's like, it, I do have times when I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore. And I have had job offers that would pay me a lot more than what I got here. And uh, then I would just feel like, but I, you know, I can't let them down. And I also have two daughters, right? And I want them to see that if you have a purpose, if you want to do something, you know, go ahead and, and fulfill that purpose. But also... I want them to have opportunities too. So I don't want to be that selfish. <laughs> you know, it's not just for me. It's also for them. It's also for the girls, you know, so. And I think you're leading a really great example of what it takes to really like the tenacity. I mean, we've heard it a, a million times, you know, what you see that looks super successful in a short period of time is underneath the water yes. has been 10 years of blood, sweat and tears and crying and fighting yes. for this and fighting for that. And so now you're starting to really, you know, you're saying, so I actually get people and ask me, how does it feel to be successful? And I said, I don't know because I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I don't think for me as successful. I didn't reach that goal yet. And I said, people that say that they're successful, they're done. I feel like you're done. Like, yeah. What do you do then? You know? So I don't want to think I'm exactly. successful. <laughs> I still think well, I would say you're successful, but what what success isn't really a destination. It's just it's yes. something that just keeps going. That's how yeah. I kind of look at it. Tell me what's next for Hervolution. You've 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 really like and there's a I want to step back just a tiny second. So we talk a lot about the ten year yes. mark where you know you've had a business and you keep nurturing that business, nurturing that business, and you stay focused on that business for that ten year time frame. Um that that you really that's when you start to finally get mm -hmm. the momentum you know where you truly you know you've you've evolved your programming you've evolved kind of your strategies and your your boards and how you're structured what's next what's the next 10 years look like? actually it's funny you say that because i always i have my conversation with the board is like listen we are going to uh celebrate 10 years and next year in february so i said we are we are preparing for the overnight success that took 10 years to happen <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're doing. Preparing for that overnight success that took 10 years to have. Actually, with Revolution working on going across Ontario, I mean, we've done I, what the pandemic has taught us and something I wanted to do anyways. I said I wanted to take Revolution across Ontario. And realistically speaking, the way we're doing stuff before the pandemic in person, it would have been very, very, very hard. But what the pandemic taught me is that we can we can use technology to actually reach youth across Ontario, and so the goal is to really take over Ontario. <laughs> take over. Ontario. But you you also <clears throat> sorry you you also told me though that 
the non-for-profits are very restricted in terms of the area yes. that you can offer your, so tell us well, a yeah, So yeah, you have the federal non-profits or charities and you have the, the provincial. We are registered as a provincial organization. Okay. So I'm only allowed to do programming in Ontario. I cannot do programming outside of Ontario. We can have that with the use the technology. The reason technology is beautiful, I think, is because we can work with someone that is from Vancouver to be a mentor to someone that is here in Ontario. So we can do that cross, you know. But you can only offer the program to Ontario yes. residents. Yes. Okay, I see, I see. But you can draw on your your mentorships and stuff from across. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's the irony of you talking about, you know, capitalizing on technology when, yes. <laughs> you know, the STEM, but, you know, it, it's true, like, a lot of the time before COVID, we were all sort of, everything had to be done in person, right. and you really, um, like, you, you didn't skip a beat, mm-hmm. you just got right into it, okay, we're going to offer this programming, and it's hard to offer that type of programming online because it's it can be two or three hours or four hour yeah. days or even eight hour days. And how do you keep somebody engaged online? Yeah. It's tough. Um, and we're still learning. This is the third year that we're going to offer this programming online, and we're still learning. And what I know for sure is that you never know everything. So every just because you worked this year and you did it this way doesn't mean that next year is going to work. So be prepared to be prepared to just take a different route, have plan B, so to speak. You know, be prepared for things to not work and just see how we can make it better. And this is why, actually, I'm so happy that I thought of this idea. Why don't we bring the students to sit on our committee so that they can tell us, how can we do this for you? You know, how can you, how, what can we do? you know, to make this better. What works for you? And then we ask a whole bunch of students, you should see how amazing they are. And, and oh my God, you think that you're talking to professionals and, you know, I'm just like blown away. I get so excited when, when they sit in the meeting and I talk to them and I'm just like, and that's a, that's what also keeps me going, you know, to see them that they just come in and they just give you those opinions and they're willing to get their hands dirty, so to speak. And I, that's exciting to me. Yeah, no, I love it. Hey, listen, so you have set an amazing example of somebody who came, you know, against all odds, had a vision for herself, had had her purpose clearly defined, set out to to do the purpose, had no idea how you were going yeah. to do it, but did it and kept with perseverance you know, spreading the word, drawing on your community and really sort of nurturing mm-hmm. this, this purpose, this idea of yours, you've really started to flourish in what could have been, you know, you hanging up a dream mm-hmm. based on what one person said, right. oh, well, sorry, we don't, we don't help poor people. Okay. So, you know, Congratulations to you. you. You are definitely an example uh, for for everybody out there that, you know what, success just keeps going. It doesn't happen overnight, but you can enjoy it while you're you're on riding that wave. So I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today uh, and sharing your story. It's It's an amazing story. And for everybody that wants to sort of dig into a little bit deeper into Hervolution and Donya, who is uh, a brand in, in herself, where would they find you? Um, so for Hervolution, you can check out the 
herevolution.org website. So we have everything there. And as for me, you can find me on LinkedIn or you can find me on Instagram. Join our channel. Yeah. Okay. And I will put uh, the links to the show, uh, to those in the show notes. And uh, yeah, so thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. And I just want to continue my relationship with you. You're a wonderful. Thank you. How are you? Thank Thank you, you, Lynette. I appreciate, I appreciate you giving me the space to share my story. Thank you. Mm -hmm.